This is Alkis, and you're listening to the Greekonomics Podcast, the show that explores how social, technological, and economic conditions will affect the businesses of the future, with a focus both on the Greek economy and worldwide. Hello, and welcome to this week's Greekonomics Podcast. In this episode, I will be analyzing the issues with the labor market during and before the Greek financial crisis. Let's begin. Labor markets play a central role in determining economic and social progress since employment status is one of the key determinants of exiting poverty. Ultimately, having a decent, well-paid and secure job is the most sustainable path to increasing incomes and consumption levels. And overall, a high unemployment rate resulting from a problematic labor market has many costs. For instance, there is lost output. Things that could have been produced were not, and this represents a complete waste of resources. Rising unemployment also decreases tax revenues, both direct and indirect, and requires increased government expenditures in the form of training programs, unemployment benefits, and additional expenditures to remedy other social costs that arise as a result of it. Especially in a highly indebted country like Greece, the correlation between high unemployment and rising government deficits is clear. Another economic cost of unemployment is that when it is high and prolonged, it increases income inequality and is responsible for many economic, social and political problems. For instance, this may force many to try and find a job abroad and this immigration shrinks an economy's human capital, since usually the brightest members of its labor force do so. This is the so-called brain drain that Greece experienced. Recently, there have been efforts to achieve a reverse brain drain. In 2020, I read an article about how Greece offered a wage subsidy to those Greeks who were deemed their brightest minds and best a monthly salary of something like 3,000 euros. The risk of bad demographics is certainly one of the biggest ones in Greece, I believe. Human capital is Greece's number one export, according to a report by Endeavor, a global non-profit organization. It says that Greece's brain drain generates annually the equivalent of 12.9 billion in GDP and 9.1 billion in taxes for the countries that Greeks move to, while Greece itself spent 8 billion to educate these people. And as if this was not enough, there are also personal and social costs to an inefficient labor market. These include loss of income, erosion of skills, family breakdown, debt accumulation, and even bad health. Research also points out to higher rates of violence and crime and long-term social and political problems due to high unemployment. Therefore, it is clear why a well-functioning labor market is central for the welfare of individuals and for ensuring entrepreneurship capable of adapting to a rapidly changing world. To put things into perspective, the UK suffered one of the largest shocks due to the financial crisis, but due to its flexible labor market and its well-functioning institutions, it suffered a much lower economic damage in terms of employment and output than Greece did. 
the performance of Greece since uh, Greece's labor market since 2010 has been dire with unprecedented levels of unemployment, especially for the youth. Many call it a lost decade for some people. Much of it was because of the crisis, but the institutional and regulatory framework also did not do much to help either. It probably even made it worse. The situation before the crisis was bad too, with low rates of reallocation from declining to growing sectors, low female participation rates, and low productivity. The main pillars of a discussion about the labor market in Greece are usually employment protection regulation, restrictions to pay like minimum wage laws, collective bargaining procedures and overtime premiums, and working time flexibility. To be honest, creating a reform program is very challenging to say the least. As a policymaker, you need to find the fine line between some regulation, which can be beneficial, and excessive regulation, which can be harmful. Labor market deregulation should be accompanied by a welfare reform that provides wage subsidies for the low paid and contributory unemployment insurance to those who were laid off and are seeking to work. The aim in general is to have an adaptable and flexible labor market with the required levels of income support and social insurance, especially for the low paid. I think that for the case of Greece, prior to the crisis, statistics speak for themselves. Hear this. In 2007, 33% of the working age population was inactive compared to 29% in the OECD. Moreover, the employment rate stood 5% lower than the OECD. Yes, one counter-argument might be that in terms of full-time equivalents, since Greece did, did and still does have a low share of part-time work with a lot of self-employment, its numbers are higher if we only refer to full-time work. Nevertheless, the main problem is that certain demographic groups are underrepresented. For example, young people aged 15 to 24 years old, men aged 55 to 64, and women, even at their prime working age, which is between the ages of 25 and 54 years old. And these population groups have the lowest participation rates. The segmentation by gender and age in the labor market is a factor affecting gender and income inequality as well. Another notable characteristic is that the share of self-employment in Greece is the highest amongst all OECD countries. Unpaid family workers are included here and this percentage is one of the highest. Okay. There is an argument to be made about self-employment as a source of dynamism, but it also leads to lost economies of scale and limited access to capital, both of which neg negatively impact productivity. Regardless, this, along with a low share of part-time work, would not have been an issue if participation rates were higher. However, the combination of the statistics mentioned before shows that the absence of part-time jobs is limiting opportunities for employment. What makes this even worse is that there is extre extremely low labor mobility. 
the measure that is often used is the worker reallocation rate, meaning the sum of hiring and separation rates. In detail, it has the lowest rate while the countries like the US, the UK and Denmark have some of the highest ones. This measure is a sign of an indolent economy and this leads to prolonged unemployment. The dangers of it were mentioned before. Historically, though unemployment rates used to be relatively low, mainly due to high immigration rates between the 60s and 70s and the expansion of public sector employment in the 80s, but with the crisis, the unemployment rate reached 27% in 2013. Thus, the re-employment chance for those losing their job was very low, with the long-term unemployed being 49.7%. As if this was not enough, even wages did not adjust easily. The book titled Beyond Austerity mentions three factors as the main culprits the complicated bargaining structure for wages, the generous wage setting in the public sector, and the automatic extension of collective agreements to firms not party to the negotiations. In conclusion, the labor market was characterized by low productivity, low mobility and female participation, large amounts of informal self-employed workers, and rigid wages. All of this exacerbated the impact of the financial crisis. Thank you for tuning in and we will meet again in the next episode.